Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. I'm a little messed up. That was a surprise. Doreen said the first time she met us, it was like we were shiny and clean. I, I kind of figured that's probably on my shower day. When she saw me. Hallelujah. God is good. Um, before the service, uh, gentleman in the congregation came up to me and looked at what I was wearing. He said, are you here for a funeral or are you here for a wedding? And I got thinking about that during worship. Sorry, we have a new soundboard from the lightning strike, so just bring me down. I'm hot. Oh, I'm hot. That sounded bad, didn't it? <laughs> Whoa, that sounded terrible. I want to go back to the funeral or wedding. So during worship, I was processing. I won't say Ed's name to everybody, but... Uh, Sorry, the loudest laughter right now. Anyways, um, when he said that, I was processing in, during worship, and I thought, you know what? I'm actually here for both. I'm here for the funeral of sin, and I'm here for the wedding with my Savior. So I'm here for both. I come to this house, and sin is dead, buried, never to rise again. Because the only one that has risen from the grave is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There's a few dry bones in the Old Testament. But I'm talking about the grave. And that's exciting. So I just uh, really love you guys. And that was totally unexpected um, this morning. And it's amazing. I thought for sure Kevin and Donna were getting two nights at Whistler. And Sharon and I would get one. But... uh, (laughs) Or it was a suite and we had to stay together or something, I don't know. But anyways, thank you. Thank you. We love the ocean. I've never been, we haven't been out that that side for a long time, so that's awesome. So, good. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you are excited and happy? I'm so excited and happy. I'm going to call up uh, our people going to Mexico on Wednesday. The Mexico team, if you're here, please come up front. I want to call up elders and pastors as well, too. We're going to, we're going to just bless the team. I'm excited. Uh, uh, we're all flying out on Wednesday, two different planes, and I'm excited for what God's going to do in Mexico. Amen. Um, they're flying out from the 20th to the, and flying back on the 25th. We're actually ministering in, in a youth conference for our main churches there, and uh, it's exciting. And uh, then I actually stay down that week, minister in a few other cities, and then there's actually a wedding. Um, Adonis is our senior leader in Mexico. His uh, one last remaining child out of six is getting married on, on the following Friday, and they've asked me to do the wedding with them, so I'm staying there till then. I fly back on the 30th, be here to minister, and, uh, and then actually a few days later head back into Mexico to another ministry there. So um, anyways, excited for this team. It's all, okay, who's the team members? Put your hands up. Okay. Yeah, hands up. And Mallory, um, everybody know Mallory? <laughs> so, Justin, do you know Mallory? <laughs> so, anyways, Justin's fiance, and um, she's coming too, but she lives in Yelm, Washington, so uh, she's coming up Tuesday night, and we're all going down on Wednesday. Are we excited, team? Good. So, let's put our hands out and as, we, uh, as we just lift up this team. Uh, some of this is your first time going into a third world country. Some of you, this might be your first missions trip as well. And there's always apprehensions, um, but I, I only take them into the most dangerous places. So I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So Father, we just bless this team. Thank you for uh, their faithfulness in coming together to go into Mexico City, largest city in the world to preach the gospel and proclaim the word of Jesus Christ on the streets to the young people, to the church, to the unsaved father that are coming. We, Lord, we're expecting your kingdom come, your will be done, which entails signs and wonders, miracles, healings, salvations. Uh, We're going into all the world to preach the gospel. We're going to see healings of the sick, raisings of dead. And maybe it's not physical dead, but we'll go after that as well too. But even spiritually dead, Father, we're going after that, Father. We pray for, for Mexico. 
one of the, the strongest dominant Catholic countries, and we just pray, Father, that there will be such a massive revival, Lord God, in the Christian churches and in the Catholic church, Father. We pray for the revival of Jesus Christ, uh, the living Lord and Savior, in the Mexico, we pray, Father. Bless this team, protection and safety, we ask, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Awesome. And Mexico team, right after the service, we're meeting in my office for a meeting, okay? Awesome. We have uh, certificates to sign, waivers, just in case. No, I'm just kidding. No, we don't. So, praise God. Oh, boy, I don't like that sub hum. Thank you, Jesus. I was talking about unity um, last week and didn't get as far as I want. So I'm going to skim over a little bit and we're going to jump back in. Uh, we read Psalms 133, 1-3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It actually, in verse 2, demands a blessing. So unity is not an option. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a command. So unity really isn't our choice, even though we choose to have unity in the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, it's actually mandatory. So a lot of times when I haven't gotten along with a brother or a sister or kind of we're at odds or whatnot, I have to remember that it's actually a command to receive blessing. I have to be unified in my spirit. Doesn't mean I have to be in agreement. It does, unless it's, uh, especially if it's sinful, I'm in disagreement, but it doesn't mean that unanimity, that we have to be in agreement with every single thing. We better be in agreement on the fundamentals of Scripture. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, died on the cross for our sins, resurrected for eternal life. We have to believe in the fundamentals of Scripture. That's not an area we can accept disunity, okay, in the Christian faith. But other, other areas, perspectives, opinions, uh, uh, whether you should have your pants rolled up or down. I had them rolled up, but I looked and nobody else did because my daughter rolled them up for me this morning. So I put them back down because I looked. Not one other person in here had rolled up pants. So I'm like... It's good and pleasant. But the verse starts out, Behold, which is a proclamation. It's a proclamation how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, for brothers and sisters in Christ to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the beard, upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is literally a blessing of his presence, a blessing of his glory, a blessing of his riches, a blessing of his healing, miraculous power. A blessing comes upon us when we choose in our own spirit to have the spirit of unity with each other. Verse 3, it is the, it's like dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. It is a beautiful thing when you live in the desert and it's a dry, dry season and that precious dew comes onto the mountain. It actually creates growth. It creates greenery. It's a beautiful thing. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Unity is not total agreement. We read out of uh, John chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. This is where Jesus prays for all believers. John 17, starting in verse 20. I do not pray that these alone, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Then it states, verse 21, is the answer to verse 20. What does that mean? It means that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me. You want to know how to evangelize? Unity. You want to know how to evangelize? Be a family in unity. You think it's sitting on the street corner with a big old Bible smacking people over the head? No. That's not how it is. You think it's fearing them into the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. That's not how it is. The reality is, is the best evangelism we could ever do is unity. It's coming together as a family with diversity to celebrate the strengths. Verse 22. 
And the glory, you want glory? Don't hold grudges. You want glory? Don't live in fear. Because with unity, it casts out fear as well. Because you're not alone. You don't have to be who you think you need to be for somebody else. You be who you're destined to be through Jesus Christ. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may, may be one just as we are one. How one is Jesus and the Father? <laughs> Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So if the world isn't knowing that you have sent me and I have sent them, if the world's not knowing, find out where our unity is. And that's one of the biggest issues I believe we have right now in the Christian church. There is so much speaking poorly about another group, another family, another tribe. I don't care what denomination you are. If you believe in the word of the, the living word of God and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you believe in the fundamentals of Scripture, I don't care if you speak in tongues or you do. I don't care if you sit in your pews or you stand and you dance in the front. I don't care if you sing in hymnals or you sing on a screen. I don't care if you give offering with the, in an envelope with cash or you give it on your push pay account. I don't care if you read out of the Bible paper or you read out of the Bible electronically. I don't care what age your kids are if they're doing communion. That's up to you as parents to decipher that. I don't care what age you kids want to be baptized. That's up to parents to help walk through that. I was in another country ministering, and an incredible miracle happened. And the next day, they brought the whole family. Must have been over 70 to 80 people came, and little kids to adults. And they all got saved because of one miracle that happened to one woman in the family. I you don't have to be 8 years old or 10 years old or 12 years old to be saved. Be saved in Jesus' name. But you know what? I will sit in worship with my brothers and sisters that maybe do believe you have to be 8 years old or 10 years old. Or that maybe you can't be baptized until you're 12. Or maybe you can't have communion until after you're baptized. I will still sit in the services and the church reading out, singing out of a hymnal. And I don't need to raise my hands. I don't need to dance and jiggle. I don't need to start speaking in tongues if they don't do it. I celebrate worship in me. I'm sitting here or I'm standing in my hymnals. And if my mouth was expressing what's happening in me, it would be, you don't let me, oh. But I'm not. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, heavenly, da, da, whatever we're singing, I can't even think of a hymn right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen. Praise God. Woo. <laughs> Some of you are looking. Never heard that song before. <laughs> Let me tell you, the words are legit. That messed me up. Man. I feel an anointing on me right now. I'm glad I'm in our own family and tribe. Because my next word is glory. It's doxa. <laughs> doxa, glory. From the base root word of dignity. Glorious honor, praise, and worship. We just get messed up on the word dignity. Because what's dignity? In man's eyes or God's? <laughs> Was David in dignity? Was he in glory? In he doxa? When he danced and his clothes were falling off? He was an absolute dignity to the kingdom of heaven. He just offended the onlookers. 
Many people feel that unity is always with other people outside the family, but true unity starts with you and God. It'll start with you and God, and then it'll move. If you're married, it'll move to your marriage. And then it'll, that unity then will move to your children. And then that unity will move to outside people. If you try to be unified with outside people, but you don't have true unity between you and God, then your unity outside will be subject to the reaction of other people accepting it or not. But when you have unity with God first, the subject of reaction of the other people doesn't change your unity. That's a, that was a good word, Brent Borthwick. That wasn't even in my notes. But unity is a vital part of evangelism. Remember, verse 21 and 23, that the world may know that you have sent me. Not just sent me, but that they know that you have loved me. And you love them as you have loved me. Jesus did not pray for organizational unity, but for spiritual oneness. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Romans 15, starting in verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Like-minded. It's interesting. Look at verse 6. That you may with one mind, what that means, that word mind, is one accord in unity. So that you will be like-minded, you will be in one accord, you will be in unity towards one another according to Christ Jesus. That you, verse 6, may be one mind, that you will be in one accord. It's the only car I know in heaven. I think one's been brought, one Ford's been brought for me. That you may be one in one accord unity. That you may be one mind and one mouth. What does that word mouth represent? Weapon. That you may be in one accord in unity. And you will be one weapon that glorifies the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our unity is the great weapon that we have to glorify God. And what do you think the devil wants to attack at the most? Unity. He wants disunity in your marriage. He wants disunity in your church. He wants disunity in the leadership. He wants disunity with your children. He wants disunity in your workplace. Because he knows as long as we can stay disunified, then we do not give glory to God. I tell you people, this is not about somebody sitting beside you right now. This is a preach to you personally and to me personally. That I have to get my unity in order. That I am in unity with God first. That we become one through Jesus Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then I expect that I have the ability to have unity with my wife. And when I have unity with my wife, and she's also got unity with God, you have a healthy, good marriage. But so many people want unity everywhere else, but they're not willing to put the effort into their own life, their own marriage, or their own family. Do as I say, not as I do. Hmm. That's a worldly concept. I heard that. (laughs) Verse 7. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. What does the word receive mean? It means lead in friendship and hospitality. I thank the Lord for life groups. Therefore, lead in friendship, lead in hospitality, not hostility, hospitality. One another. We lead in friendship and we lead in hospitality one another, just as Christ also led in friendship and hospitality to the glory of God. 
Can Christians agree on everything? No, you just have to agree on me, everything I... I'm just kidding, no. Can Christians agree on everything? No. My wife and I don't even agree on anything. We agree... I should have said everything, shouldn't I? Sorry. Scratch that from the... It's going to say tape, but we don't use tapes anymore. Can Christians agree? Do, do my wife and I agree on everything? No. We don't have to. We agree on covenant. We agree on the fundamentals. She agrees on who she knows is always right. <laughs> She's looking at me, shaking her head like, seriously, Brent, get out of there. You're diving, diving. Get back to the message. The goal is not to think alike. The goal is not to avoid all disagreements. The goal is to maintain unity during them. So many people have a disagreement and disunify. They split. Oh, I'm a good thing nobody has ever left windward because they have disagreed with something. And they probably left the church before because they disagreed with something. They probably left the one before that because they disagreed with something. They probably left... I don't expect you to agree with everything. Have diversity and celebrate it. But when it goes into a disagreement or an argument, this is where the true test of your unity will lie. Can you sit together the hard conversations... And some people say, it's not hard for me. I love confrontation. You shouldn't love confrontation. If you look at the word confrontation, you definitely shouldn't love it. Go on Google. What does the word confrontation mean? You don't like it. But when there is confrontation, unity, love, and grace will walk through it. And if both parties are in agreement, I guarantee you there's a solution. Because Jesus Christ never came to this earth to divide his own family. He came with a two-edged sword in his mouth to divide good from evil. The goal is not to think alike. Many people disagree, so they leave. But that's not true unity. Our goal in unity is to glorify God. Our differences should not divide us. There should be diversity amongst us. Can you imagine if we were all cloned? Hitler tried to clone everybody. He wanted to make this... Uh, this Aryan-type powerful race. It doesn't work. God didn't create, create us all different. I look at every one of you, not one of you look like me. <laughs> they try. No. So don't let differences divide us. Don't let differences divide your marriage or divide your family. Now, if there's sin, if there's abuse, if there's issues, get wise counsel. I'm not saying that unity is the acceptance of wrong. It is not. We are not to accept wrong because it's popular in our society. Our society does not dictate the law of Scripture. Our diversity needs to be enable, enable us to multiply our praise and our service for God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, we all know this. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Not for identity, not for self-identity, but for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Every one of the fivefold ministry gifts are to bring unity to the body, not disunity. The prophetic gift is not to bring disunity and condemnation to the body of Jesus Christ, it is to bring unify, it is to bring unity. It can, it can talk about issues and problems, not publicly, I hope, but to the right leadership so they can get on it and help resolve it. But not one gift in the fivefold of the gifts of Jesus or the ninefold of the gifts of the Spirit is it ever designed to create disunity in the family of Christ. It is designed 
many of them, to create a disunity of sin. Hate sin. Love God. The scripture continues on after this by saying that when we attain this command, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the winds and waves of doctrines. How many of you know that there's many doctrines that are out there? There is some wrong and false doctrines that are out there. And there's some other ones that are interesting. But just what you hear on social media does not mean it's truth. I remember so many years ago, my, back, my, my dad was born in 1916 and mom 1918. And uh, I remember, you know, when I was a young boy, we came back to Canada to, to be the senior representatives for Wycliffe Bible Translators in Western Canada. And dad would always read the newspaper. And uh, he would say, wow, look at this, Brent. I said, yeah, dad, that's probably not, maybe not fully happening. He says, well, no, it's in the newspaper. So they're reporting truth. They're reporting the facts. I said, you know what? I'm not sure what they did in the early 1900s, but I'll tell you now, Dad, that they're very swayed left and right. You can listen to the same story, reporting of a story, on two different networks and hear 180-degree polar differences. It's unbelievable. These gifts are to equip the body not, not to compete, not to slander each other. They're to equip the body. If a five-fold ministry gift ever is to use to slander, you will guarantee it's coming from the wrong spirit. I think one of our greatest false prophetics, prophets of falsity that are happening right now is not prophesying a bad word or a wrong word. I truly believe, as I've been pondering this, and the Lord's been putting it in my spirit more and more over this last little bit, I truly believe the greatest level of false prophetic right now is coming from people that don't have the right culture in their life. That don't have the right character in their own life. And we need to look when we're listening to a prophetic word, what's the character of the individual? If they're married, is their marriage in good order? Are they connected with another family or tribe, or are they just Lone Ranger independence? Are they living a good life, a biblical Christian morally life? Because the level you give a prophetic word out... I'm talking about the office of a prophet, okay? I'm talking about people that give a prophetic word. If you encourage and exhort someone, which is the spirit of prophecy, if you encourage and exhort somebody, I guarantee you, it doesn't matter if you're saved or not given the word. If you encourage and exhort somebody, you're doing a good thing. Does that make sense? So even if your life wasn't wholesome fully, and you walked up to somebody and you said, wow, God has such an amazing gift on you. You are blessed. Uh, there's going to be such an amazing future. You have such a great power of testimony. And we just want to bless you in Jesus' name. I don't care if the person speaking had good character or not. I mean, I do. But if they had bad character, I would still listen to the prophecy. Because it's encouraging and exhorting. Does that make sense? But when you get a prophetic word, an office of a prophet, or someone who's given a word of knowledge, or given a different kind of a word, not encouraging, exhorting, but an actual clarity of a word, maybe a future event happening, maybe a word to the government, maybe a word of knowledge, whatever. When you are getting that, and you know that their marriage is in complete disorder, they have no marriage, they don't even love each other, or they're, you know, they don't like their children, or you know that they're struggling heavily in sin and pornography, and all this stuff, I would encourage us to not listen to the word. I'm not saying you have to be perfect to give a word. What I'm saying is the weight of the word you give should have the weight of character in your life. Because if we don't have that character, we don't have the spirit of unity in our forefront. 
chances are your word will be swayed through the eyes of your character and the eyes of disunity. It's kind of like the ministers that, that need to fill the, the, let's just say, the children's ministry. Oh, I'm getting the word, thus saith the Lord. I see you in children. I see you in children's ministry. Matter of fact, I see you starting January 32nd. Get it? 32nd? Hmm. And you're going to do it for free, and you're going to spend like 300 hours a week in it, and you're going to burn yourself. No, you're not going to burn out. It's the service of the Lord. And when you burn out in six months, we're going to prophesy over another one. Or worse yet, I'm not going to name any churches around that, oh, you're a visitor? Welcome. Where do you attend? Windward, wow, the Lord's showing me that you're leaving that ministry and you're on your way to ours. (laughs) (laughs) That's truth. That actually did happen multiple times to people in our congregation with some of the local. It's just bad. We're a prophetic group but we're not called to be a pathetic group. We're not called to run around when you're living in a horrendous, if you're living in a bad lifestyle, you have a bad marriage or anything. It's not your duty to actually run around and just start prophesying over people. Your duty is to get in unity with God so you can have unity with your wife or you can have unity with your kids or you can have unity in spirit. And when you prophesy, prophesy out of the unity. When I prophesy, I prophesy from 31 years of covenant marriage uh, that we have never screwed up and we're never going to till death do us part. It's a covenant. When she gives things or does things or makes jams and gives it away, when you come and buy our rhubarb from our farm, you're getting wholesome rhubarb. Wholesome hands that picked it. Speaking in tongues. Bless this one. Bless this one. So come spring if you need rhubarb. Or you can go to some of the wholesalers and pay more. It's good to support them. We sell to them. We have got to focus on ourselves First, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying it as a shock treatment. Because our old religious structure said never focus on yourself. Focus on ourself first. That's you with God. Whatever you do, don't go prophesy someone else's problem when it's the same problem in your own life. Take your hand off their head. Ah, ah. Oh, she got a blah, 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 and prophesy in your own life. Unity doesn't mean unanimity. We're not all going to be the same. Unity definitely does not mean acceptance of sin in your or someone else's life. Christ's work on the cross is the basis for all spiritual unity. Ephesians 4, 3. It's endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Christians must be united over the essentials of faith, such as the authority of Scripture, human sinfulness, the need of a Savior. We need to be united with that. But it doesn't mean that we're... When I step here, everyone else steps right. And I step here, and everyone else steps. No. You're not all, you, no one's going to be following in my exact footsteps, I hope. My hope and prayer is like Doreen said, that our kids are coming behind us. But to be honest with you, when they were two years old or three years old, barely walking, my footsteps were too big for them to step in. Oh, you prideful preacher. No, I'm talking physically. This is my stride. 
And it's hard for a two-year-old to do it. Now, many times, if it was real muddy in the jungles of Central America, I would go slower, smaller footprints so they could follow and walk in it. But it slowed me down. But I slowed down for the sake of my children. I slowed down for the sake of my wife. I slowed down for the sake of my relationship with God. But ultimately, my son, he's taller than me. Now I say, I can't walk in your footsteps, son. You're making your own. But what I'll do is I'll follow you and bath you in prayer, support, encouragement, and be behind you, pushing you forward. My daughter's pushing you forward. Family of Windward, pushing you forward. This is not, this is not a ministry. This is not a church that is about you following me or my wife all the time. Yes, we can be Canadian geese when they fly in that V formation. The one leading can only lead for so long because that's the most wind resistance. But if you watch the airfoils coming off of that leader's wings, all the other geese link just inside and they fly much farther and longer distances. And that's why you watch that lead goose. As after they've led for a while, they fall to the back, and the other one takes it, and they all keep flying, and they just keep rotating. That, we're like Canadian geese. Matter of fact, I feel like heading south during winter too. <laughs> they call them snowbirds. I think they should call them snow geese, Canadian geese, whatever. If you come here and you expect my wife and I or Kevin and Donna or John and Lona or Dean and Stacy, you know, or Dorina Michael or Willis and Linda or whatever leadership, if you expect us to always, always lead you, then yes, you are sheep, but you'll never be shepherds. But you've called to be shepherds, not just sheep. We're called to be advancing and moving forward. And you're called to be leaders. Maybe you won't lead the whole thing. But you know what? You better lead something. And it better start leading you first in your own life with God. And out of that leadership, start leading the people around you with the power of testimony. Not dictatorship. Not narcissism. But the power of testimony. Many times when I travel internationally, I'll share testimonies of what's happened in our lives and our ministry. Because the testimonies draw people into more faith. But the reason I'm sharing the testimony is not to draw people into the faith of me, but into the faith of the one that created the testimony. I just got to live and experience it. Christians won't always agree. Believers can differ on the non-essentials without being spiritually divided. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Philippians 2, starting in verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What's the first statement in verse 2? Fill, fulfill my joy. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. 
Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Oh God, fulfill my joy by being like-minded with you. Like-minded with my family. Like-minded with our Windward tribes. Having the same love, the love of you, Jesus, the love of you, Father, the love of you, Holy Spirit. Being in one accord, of one accord, together in unity, of one mind, so that I do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I thank you for my wife, Sharon. I didn't deserve her. I hear God say, yes, you did. He always corrects me. that I didn't deserve but I did deserve and I can't afford to lose I have to look at my children God I didn't deserve those amazing kids but yet I did I know God but I have to look at them like I can't afford to lose them Grandbaby Samuel, wow. Doctors told Sam and Chris to abort. The baby wasn't going to survive. And, the, and Sam, Samantha herself could die from the birth. I thank you, Lord. Samantha and Chris said that is not an option. <laughs> and baby Samuel came out healthy and whole. didn't did I afford that God yes you did but I have to think in my mind I can't afford sin in my life to destroy the testimony of baby Samuel I can't afford that sin in my life to destroy my marriage I can't afford the sin in my life to destroy my children I can't afford the sin in my life to destroy this ministry I can't afford sin in my life to destroy my relationship with God. Let's all stand. Unity and lifestyle coexist. The more sin we accept in life, the less unity we have in truth. We need to live a life that coexists in the kingdom of heaven, the supernatural realm of God. As my wife and others were in my office praying for me this morning before the service, my wife said something along the lines of, We need to start expecting to live a lifestyle in the miraculous and supernatural. That our first expectation of sickness is that it's going to go. That our first expectation of any attack, temptation of sin is going to go in Jesus' name. that our first expectation in anything of our life is that this will be a supernatural day 
in supernatural British Columbia. Remember our license plates? They say, Supernatural BC. I came here this morning expecting the heaviness of God's glory. The weight of His presence to come upon us all. I listened to worship. The weight of His glory came upon us. As Moses cried out, show me your glory. It wasn't a question on, is your glory here? It was a demand. Show me your glory, God. And God did. An angel of the Lord in a burning bush. Show us your glory, God, right now. What about a burning bush experience right now? Do we actually live in a realm of expectation that the supernatural is going to happen in our lives now, today, every day? Or do we live in an expectation that it's just going to be another bad day? Oh, it's so rainy. I shouldn't even maybe go to church today. Don't you have windshield wipers on your car? Don't you live in British Columbia? I understand if it was Arizona or something, but come on. Oh, I don't know if my tires are very good for rain. Then buy new tires. Why well, can't afford them? Then phone somebody to get a ride. Of course, I'm not speaking to anyone here. I'm just talking to the ones watching on TV right now. They were supposed to be here. Yeah, that means you. Sorry, I'm looking at the TV. Father, show us your glory. I feel like the Lord says, well, what does that look like to you? I feel like saying, I'm really not sure. In our conference, we talked about lightning on a clear day, and we had an actual lightning. Remember that flash of lightning in here in the building? My microphone went out. Clear day. Yeah, and our first weekend of September, we had an actual lightning strike hit the building to take out our electronics. We're still working it through. Show me your glory. Well, what if a bolt of lightning just nailed you on the top of the noggin right now? Boy, I don't want to lose any more hair. But don't worry about it. If it's the hand, finger of God on you, lose your hair. Start singing that. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. something receive it in Jesus name don't be greedy for money but go after wisdom great decisions go after unity go after forgiveness go after the miracle signs and wonders of his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven Oh, 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 I'm not afraid. 
somebody. Shake their hand, congratulate them, do something as we keep singing. We're going to have a prayer team come up. I feel like the Lord is asking me not to pray a closing prayer. That we are not to close this what God's doing. We're not to close it. We're going to linger here as long as we need until security kicks you out. But we're not to end it. We're to take his presence with us right out those doors. We're to take his presence with us at our meal times, and our lunch times, our supper times. We're to take his presence with us wherever we go. In Jesus' name.